Hello and welcome to Fashion as a Force for Good, a podcast brought to you by Smartworks. This is the charity that uses the power of clothing and coaching to help unemployed women get the job and transform their lives. In the 10 years Smartworks has been running, we have learned that when a woman looks and feels her best, she can change her life. I'm your host, Tiffany Dark, and every week I'll be talking to a new guest about the power of clothing, their relationship with fashion, and the transformative role clothes have played at key moments in their lives and careers. Time to find out whose wardrobe doors were opening this week. Felicity Hayward is a British curve model, author, influencer and activist. Discovered when she was dancing on a table in East London, she was quickly catapulted into the world of high fashion. Since then, she has come to represent the glory of size diversity and used her online campaign, Self Love Brings Beauty, to bring inclusion and confidence to her hundreds of thousands of fans. Felicity, I am so excited to welcome you to the SmartWorks podcast. Welcome. Hello, babe. Thank you for having me. Oh, total pleasure. I'm going to have to kick off because you look so beautiful. You're sort of... (laughs) pink and um and blonde what are you wearing and my second question is how does it make you feel so I'm currently wearing a French bulldog on my lap who is going back on the sofa um this is um a dress from Monsoon it's like a maxi dress silky dress lilac with um pineapples on it Um, I've just come back from Sicily even though it's quite grey here in London I want to um still bring some colour in which I wear every day so you're really good at wearing colour I love it you've you all you're always sort of glowing in all of your pictures and, and also print as well you're very kind I think being a a curvy woman I feel like within fashion we've always had to um, use colour and print when we're not able to find things that are in our size I think that's kind of just sort of been something that's always been in my in my life since a teenager. I've always tried to wear colour. Well, you've you've spoken a lot before about um, being excluded from fashion, and as you know, fashion is the industry that you've worked in for the last goodness 10, 12 years. It must that must be very hard to work in an industry where you feel excluded. Is it still the case? It's better than it was. I, I will say that. I mean, like when I got catapulted into the industry, like plus size models in the UK, they didn't exist, you know, not not young models anyway. Like they may have been um, models that were essentially like QVC or this morning, like, but they were like, you know, uh, in their 40s. There was no sort of like young models that were representing Curve. And it was difficult at that time, though, because... I there wasn't many brands that were inclusive you know you had brands that were doing XXL and some of their sizes and you know you just had to kind of work with the fact of stretch of materials and different things like that and when I started my career I knew that I was a gimmick I knew that I was shooting all of these editorials which you know you don't get paid for and you know I've seen (laughs) I've seen scenarios where you know plus size plus size models have have worn 
Versace bedsheets as dresses because the Versace just didn't make plus size at that time. So they have literally put a model in a bedsheet and tied it up with a with a belt. Like, you know, when you say it, I'm like, that is so wild to me. Like, we want to use you as a plus size silhouette, but we don't have things to fit you. So we're going to actually just use a bedsheet. Like, that is crazy, right? When you actually say it out loud, like, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of, it's been a very wild 12 years in the industry. We wouldn't be able to fit it all into the podcast if I told you everything that's happened. But there has been, there has been definitely a change. You know, you now look and the majority of brands do do plus size, have extended sizes, um, but it hasn't been a difficult it's been it's been very difficult to get there. And how about shopping? How do you find the experience of shopping? Like if you need a dress for something, are there places that you can go? Or do you still feel excluded from some stores? I feel like I am in a very lucky position that because I have been a model, because I have worked with a lot of brands, I have quite a lot of knowledge that of brands that do fit curve. And that's what I do promote online on social every time a brand does extend sizes, I will hype them up and make sure everyone knows about it. But um, I've never had a stylist um, because I know that most stylists don't really have the access to plus size fashion as a plus size woman was. So until I find a plus size stylist, no, there is access to fashion now. But you just have to be a bit savvy about it. And it, the majority of it is online. You know, it's the age old thing of, Brands have stocked plus sizes. They've put them on the high street. They've put them in the back of the stores. We don't know about it. They don't promote it. And then when they don't do well because no one knows about it, they then take them out of the store and the only options we have are online. Yeah, I mean, you, I remember when you you actually boycotted London Fashion Week once, didn't you? And you, you talked about, you know, not being able to find a dress because nobody would loan you a dress because nobody had your size I guess but that that kind of gave rise to feelings of panic and anxiety within you and I think that's a really interesting thing to explore I mean if people can't find sizes at clothes sizes they forget that actually it can have a really corrosive effect on the way a woman feels absolutely I mean the thing is like I said I'm a campaigner of this so I've got pretty tough skin when it comes to it but the reason I do it is because there are a lot of young people in particular who, when they don't have access to the same clothes as others, like you said, it does cause not only mental health issues, it, it causes eating disorders, and that stays with people for life. Why are people not able to deserve the same fashion as others? And I always say this, is when you actually look at the average size of um, a woman in particular, it is a size 16, and the majority of these uh, you know, stores used to only go up to an 18. That doesn't make any sense. If the if the average is a sixteen, you should be having, you know, four sizes above, four sizes below, or more than that. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult one because, you know, at, at the end of the day, clothes do bring people confidence. You know, not everyone is born with confidence, and that that can add to your power. And when you can't find the same things, it does it can jeopardize your your mental health. Do you still, I mean, obviously, you know, you're adored and worshipped by so many people, but do you still feel judgment sometimes walking down the street or within the industry or 
think there's always going to be judgment for um for bigger sizes until we find an equality but until we stop using bodies as trends so as much as it's been amazing to see the body positivity industry essentially bloom within the last you know 10 15 years since I started my career you know we've, we've seen earlier this year the rise of heroin chic comeback but the term heroin chic for anyone that that hasn't heard about it or anything is in the 90s um this was a term for very very thin models who looked like they were on a class a drug and it was seen as high fashion the way that that is even it exists and we just use it as a term of like yeah we understand we understand that that was in the 90s and earlier this year people talk about the rise of that coming back we've had um you know a certain family very popular family in america who um i i do not like who have changed uh, their bodies for young you know having surgery to make themselves look different yeah and, and and lying about it the, the issue isn't the surgery surgery is absolutely essential for um people transitioning people that have been uh, are in surgery for other reasons like there's surgery is not the issue here it's just that it's, it's just the lying they have now got all of their stuff dissolved in there now saying that skinny is the new thing and that's that that's the issue that I have here like nobody should be any trends the more we have trends the more we have issues that trickle into the fashion industry that push this narrative that one body is ideal it's not our, our bodies change like our you know just thinking about myself and my journey as a woman in her 30s I'm like I remember being a kid I remember puberty I remember growing boobs I remember my body changing I remember my period coming I then remember being a young adult and deciding that um I want to take the the pill the contraceptive pill then then getting stretch marks and cellulite and my body changing my tits are lower than they were before, you know, my bum is bigger, I might decide to have children, my body will change again. And then after all of this, we then go through menopause, like, we go through so many changes in our lifetime, to have someone to turn around and tell me that this one's a trend. Fashion is trend based, bodies are not. And until we figure out a way to ignore these toxic cultures of people saying like this is what this is this and this is not I don't know how we're gonna push this narrative that fashion should be for everybody oh that was so well put thank you Felicity now I wonder we did ask you to bring something because as you know at SmartWorks we're all about clothes and confidence um and we did ask you to bring an item of clothing that meant something to you and I think now might be a good time to share it so we have got a vintage leather jacket. This bad boy has been with me for a very long time. And I think the reason why I love it so much is because not the fact that it goes with everything. It's the fact that I feel like it has a history with me of being a young woman and trying to find myself and being a little punk and being this person that was trying to navigate the fashion industry in a a time where it wasn't really for us. And I felt like having this leather jacket was like being part of like some sort of body image gang without me realizing that I was going to go and do the work that I did. A leather jacket has always been an absolute staple in my wardrobe throughout my whole life. It's very hard to pick because I have such a massive wardrobe full of so many things that are different, 
you know, and I was going to pick a handbag that my nan made for me. But that itself is something like that I don't wear every day because it's so special to me that I keep in a cupboard. But like the leather jacket is is the one that's like, I'm in this gang. This is who I am. And I'm going to be strong and confident. And it's something that I think I'll wear until I'm in my 80s. Oh, I love it. I love it. So is that the same leather jacket you've had since back in the day? It, it, it is. The lining has been replaced. Well, that's great. You care for your clothes. You value them and care for them. So do you remember when you bought it? It was a charity shop down St. John Street in my hometown of Bowes Edmonds. It's not there anymore. They got rid of it, but it was the best one. I'd made friends with the lady that worked there. And it's men's, it's like a big men's size. So it's like an oversized one. I also used to go in there and um, she used to like hold things to the side for me. So someone got rid of their amazing record collection, like ridiculous, like, like punk record collection, like the Cramps and Bauhaus and Susie and the Banshees. And she kept them all beside from them. They all like mint condition. So amazing. Amazing. So how old were you when you bought the jacket? I left when I was 17 to come to London. So I'm going to say 15. I'm going to say 15, I think. Oh, it's an old faithful. I've got to ask you the story, Felicity, because it's just too good not to go there. But what were you doing dancing on a table? in? <laughs> I mean, dancing on a table. I was having a great, <laughs> I was having a great night. So the Georgian Dragon was one of my favourite pubs in East London it is a gay bar that we used to go out and hang out with all of my friends my friends used to DJ there um it was just this like small eclectic bar which had like tat everywhere like it was just like every corner there was like a huge cardboard cutout of um divine the 80s drag queen there was like a plastic palm tree in there there was just like you know like enough stuff for it to be some sort of like kitsch camp museum just everywhere stuff. Um, I was just out there on a night out and um, I got approached and asked if I would do a shoot as Anna Nicole Smith, who is like, uh, for people that don't know, was a um, like a curvy blonde bombshell American who um, ended up being on the cover of Playboy and ended up marrying like a, a much older man. But she was a bit of an American sort of cult celebrity shall we say, who dressed quite um, in, a, in a fun way. And, and they asked me to do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Like, you know, like, let's let's do it. And the, the shoot was by a photographer called Miles Aldridge, who is a huge, huge uh, fashion photographer. And he had never used a plus size model before. So it's quite a big thing. And I remember going to set and, and it, it was just the most incredible setup. I think we were there. It was we were on set for like a crazy amount of hours, a crazy amount of hours. Um, and they had people there like with like diamonds, like security guards like waiting for the diamonds. I just thought this is, this is a magic world. Like, what is this? And um, yeah, the shoot came out, it went viral and um, I then got scouted. On that shoot, did you know what you were doing? Did you know how to move? Did you know how to be a model? I kind of like, it was, he is a really good photographer. So he, he kind of, he was great at, like directing me and because I think as well like his work is like so specific and they all look like film stills he knows exactly what he wants so I think in that moment 
it wasn't as hard as I thought because he was sort of like regimented in do this pose rather than you know I've obviously been on a lot hundreds of shoots since where you've had photographers that don't give you any direction and that's when you have to you know know your poses but that's more like e-commerce like if you were you know shooting for ASOS or something like that you'd need to know like your 12 different poses that you need to do in 45 seconds (laughs) (laughs) spoken like a pro I've heard you often talk about the fact that you sometimes feel like a gimmick and I think sometimes these women are celebrated just because they're curvy rather than you know the curvy thing being on the side that they're beautiful amazing women and they also happen to be this shape you know has that toned down over the years I mean I definitely know that I was a gimmick at the beginning because like I said I was like I was always getting asked to shoot naked as well like at the beginning of my career and I was I was like no like if you don't have clothes for me we're not shooting naked and it, it was more like I'm not this isn't the circus you know did you have the confidence to turn a shoot down yeah I did I just didn't have the confidence to shoot naked either. So it was like, it wasn't really, it was a no brainer. It was like, no. Whereas now I'm more confident in, you know, showing more skin in a, in a body positivity way, like, uh, than, than it was before. But yeah, there was also a shoot with Terry Richardson, um, that I turned down because I felt like he wasn't the right person to, to work with. And lo and behold, like, I think I have some sort of like mystic powers because a few weeks later, all that stuff came out about him, you know, and and I was so glad that I didn't get involved with him. Yeah, the industry has changed since I started, but I feel like there was a big shift in when everybody was using maybe one plus size model. Um, and that was sort of, I'd say four years ago when the whole body positivity thing was really sort of uh, pushed into the mainstream media. Um, and it was sort of, I was always the only one on set, which doesn't represent everybody. And I think now they are doing a better job at it. When you are looking at like, when you are watching the telly, when you are looking at adverts, you know, plus size women don't come in just one shape. Yeah. And they're also, they're not cast because they're a different size. They're cast more as characters. Like, I don't know if you watched Lizzo's performance at Glastonbury this year. And it was just so fabulous. You could just celebrate her for so many things. And I remember when she first came on the scene, everyone was just celebrating her because of the way she looked. But actually now it's just so much more. I mean, that's part of her and it's brilliant, but she's such an incredible musician. And now as a society, we're allowed to admire women and get past all of these things. But that's because there's been more, uh, there's more diversity on screen. And it, uh, I actually hate, I actually hate the word diversity in many shapes and forms because the world is, I, the world is a diverse place. So the fact that we're having to sort of push that narrative is, it, it shouldn't be the case. I was a SmartWorks client in 2020, and this is my story. I came to SmartWorks at a really challenging point in my career path and had been referred by an NHS support service. I was feeling quite unconfident, which for me was really unusual, um, usually having been an independent, career-minded woman, and that was something I really wanted to get back to. I had a limited understanding of who SmartWorks were or what they did before going to my first appointment. 
but I just knew that they were going to help me prep for an interview and maybe get some new clients. The Smart Workspace was an absolute oasis. It was calm, it was beautiful, and I was greeted by a very glamorous team. I had a dressing, which was really fun and boosted my confidence. It was amazing how a new outfit could make me feel, you know, much more confident and more beautiful. And after that, I had a coaching session, which was amazing. And I still use the learning from it today. They made me feel really welcome and treated me as an equal, which was so valuable. And I left feeling empowered and that bit stronger all in the space of just a couple of hours. I don't know how they do it. And then I went to my interview and on arrival, they commented on how lovely my outfit was. And when I left their office, I passed a woman in the corridor and she commented on my trousers as well. Overall, the SmartWorks experience really empowered me to be sure of myself and to know my worth, which is huge. So your campaign that you started, what was there a particular moment where you thought I've got to do something about this I've got to start speaking out well I think when I first started it was you know I I shot with Miles and then he uh, put me up for a Mac cosmetics campaign which was a huge deal for me back then and I remember doing like one of my first interviews about the campaign the journalists sort of the first sort of thing they asked me they were like hi um yes it's great you've done this campaign so what's your gym routine and like what's your diet like and all this sort of stuff And it didn't correlate or make any sense to do with the fact that we're talking about a plus size model is fronting a beauty campaign. Beauty has no size. You don't have to be a certain size to wear lipstick. So why are we not casting, you know, bigger size models? And me as a plus size consumer, for example, I love the body shop body butter. Yeah. As a plus size consumer, I have a bigger body. I have more skin. My legs are bigger. My bum is bigger. I'm going to use your product quicker, okay? Just because straight facts of that, there is more of me than a smaller size. So really, it makes sense to promote and have plus size models in particular using within your company because, babe, we spend more money than than the smaller sizes. And I think Body Shop do that really well, by the way. But to go back to the interview... This interviewer was asking me all these questions, and I was like, "What? This got nothing to do with it." And it sort of like it hit home a little bit that every interview that I was doing since then, when they were always asking me the same questions, they were confused as to why someone like me in a body like me had been pushed into this industry. And and it's it's quite sad, really, because I sort of knew deep down the only reason I'm here is because I'm associated with this photographer. If I hadn't had Miles behind me, backing me, I wouldn't have had those doors open for me. I'm aware of that. And I'm very grateful for him. And I'm very grateful that he helped, you know, this 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 whole movement. But I sort of felt in myself, I was like, if these journalists had self-love within themselves, they would understand that everyone can be beautiful and is beautiful. But they've just got this sort of very narrow-minded mindset But if it's not what we've seen and it's not the norm, why is it accepted? It's the whole idea of, you know, if you had self-love, you could understand people were beautiful. So self-love brings beauty. And I was like, that's good, actually. Maybe I should start using that in my content online. So I started a hashtag. 
Then I got my best friend who lives in Worthing. She's a graphic designer. She designed the logo for me. And I was like, I sort of did the hands logo. And because I always have acrylics on, I did this. And it was like, oh, the heart I had my fingers touching like this. So she, she drew the logo for me, uh, all hand done. And I was like, maybe I should print some stuff just to like have. So print some T-shirts and hoodies and some other bits of merchandise. And um, yeah, started a movement. And it was essentially was the only idea of it was just to spread this message and find a safe space for people to talk about their bodies, how they feel about the industry, X, Y and Z. And then I ended up going to do workshops and talks. And it's sort of since then, it's it's stayed throughout my whole career of everything I talk about, every, every post I do, it's, I talk about self-love brings beauty because it's, you know, it is for everybody. Can I just say, I think that's incredibly empowered of you to take that, you know, that interview right back in the day, whenever it was 2012 and, and, and her ridiculous questions and to put it on her and not to put it on you, but to see that it was actually, you know, it was her not loving herself. Enough. It was actually a man. He was he was the main one that did it, but then the other interviewers, yeah, they they, they were female. But um, it, but it's it, it's but it's you know the male gaze. We could talk hours about that as well. You know, it's um, the issues are everywhere. I've got the male gaze, and then we've also got women as well that are. And but the problem again, and I'm sorry if I'm going off on one, but the issue with women hating upon women is like I actually don't think it's women's fault. Like when we look at the timeline of um. All you have to do is look at your uh, mother or guardian, uh, your parent, your auntie, your grandparent, their their mothers. Uh, you look at the decade they were brought up in. There's some weird diet thing that was going on there. There was some weird body image thing going on there. You know, in the 20s, they told women to smoke cigarettes to, to, to for, as an appetite suppressant, not realizing it could be cancer. You know, in the 50s, they were like, oh, Marion Monroe's curvy. They give people weight loss, no, weight gain pills to get curvy. The 60s come in and we were told that we all need to look like, you know, like Twiggy and have this androgynous look and lose all this weight. And then by the 70s, you know, women are starting to have really bad eating disorders. The 80s, it's like all the super fit athletic model type. And then the 90s, like I said earlier, heroin chic comes in. And in 2010 body image and body diversity and positivity stuff starts to trickle in. So every single woman that you know has had to deal with some sort of decade of body image bullshit. Sorry to swear, but it is. Every single decade we've had to deal with something. So when women hate on women, I can kind of understand it in a horrible way, especially older generations because they've had to deal with their own stuff. But we need to be the we need to be the decade that changes it, that stops it. And I think you have done so much work to to push forward that narrative, actually. And I just want to thank you for that because I think it's amazing what you've done, and also bringing it all together into a book as well, which I know has been immensely popular. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I felt very proud of the book to be honest because it just felt like. You know, there's only so much people know not being in the industry. And, and I, I speak a lot about um, the, the, the mess that, that I experienced whilst being there. And I don't have any loyalty to an industry that, that tears women down. Like, I will tell you what, what happened. It's important. It is important. That's right. And I, and I have to say, I very much admired your 
boycott of the British Fashion Awards, which was, I think that was 2019. You know, the industry that was your paymaster, if you like, that was, you know, was feeding you and nurturing you and at the same time was completely undermining you. Do you want to just tell us what happened? Because you got so much press for it and it was so strong of you. The thing is, I got more press by not going than I did going. It was quite wild, actually. Obviously, that wasn't the agenda at all. I was being extremely stubborn. Um, So, you know, to be invited to the British Fashion Awards is like quite a high prestige awards. Like it's, it's, you know, it's a hot ticket. And the way it usually works is, you know, if you are a brand and you've bought a table, you can invite talent, creatives, etc. Or if you're up for an award. So I was lucky that I had gone with Google before. I'd gone with River Island a few years before and had a really great time. And again, styled myself, wasn't in designer, was in high street, but I'd styled it in my own way and still did the carpet. And it got to this year, 2019, and the brand that uh, invited me went to the showroom to go and pick our looks because you have to wear their outfits. And I was with a couple of my peers who are a size 10, size 8 and 10, we get there, they both had a full rail of clothes to choose from, maybe 10 or 12 pieces, maybe more. I looked at my rail, I had one thing. And it was a oversized black sequined like bat wing shirt dress. Like it was the most just dull and like it, you know, you go to the fashion awards, you want to be seen, like you want to wear like a really beautiful outfit and essentially I'd been given a tent a sequin tent that was the only it wasn't even my size by the way it was just an oversized piece that they thought that'll work for her and I sat there and I was sort of like so overwhelmed by the whole scenario that I just took the dress because I was like there is no other option and I left and I got outside and I got so upset and I said to my publicist at the time I said I need to have a think on this. I went home and I thought, I've gone the last two years and looked really great in my opinion. And I felt amazing and felt like I was repping for, you know, the plus size community on the carpet and did my best considering designers don't do my size. I can't turn up in this one dress. I don't want to be an afterthought. And that's the thing is I was like, what is the point of going, feeling uncomfortable, feeling like I am less than my other peers that I am going with? I thought, you know what? I'm not going. So I literally sat at home, ordered takeaway, put on the movie girls trip and thought, I'm probably going to get in trouble for not going, but I'm not going to go where I'm not wanted and where I'm not thought about. So I literally just tweeted, I'm not going to be a phase tonight because if honestly, I'm sick of plus size women in particular being seen as an afterthought. And it, I didn't realize the impact that that had. It went like, it went, it went viral. I posted online on Instagram and got picked up in the metro, got picked up in the mail, it got picked up sort of everywhere in glamour and cosmo. And it was thankfully, actually a a good thing that happened because I then didn't go for a few years. And obviously, we had COVID as well. And I actually, um, I went back last year. So I, I attended it last year. And in a fabulous dress, in a fabulous dress, I styled myself. Um, I was wearing at Marina Rinaldi, who is a incredible Italian brand. And it's the only place that plus size women can shop on the high street in, in, in Bond Street in Mayfair. 
uh, the only designer, like high-end designer that we have, and it's the only place where you can walk in. It's a town, it's the Marina Rinaldi townhouse, and uh, not far from the Ritz, and you feel like a million dollars. And the fact that that's the only place we can go is, it, that's another conversation. But I love them for it. I wore Marina Rinaldi and I wore anthropology. I felt great. I felt myself. And the reason I went back was because there was, plus there was Ashley Graham was was presenting an award. There was a plus size model um, up for model of the year. It felt more inclusive. And it felt like there'd been, there'd also been a couple of designers who uh, shown at Fashion Week who were inclusive, that were included. So I wanted to go and see. And um, the plus size model didn't win, but it's okay. That that I just saw there were some baby steps there and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go this year. So let's see what happens um, end of this year. Might go again. But I think the message was loud and clear. And, and actually, that message for Fashion Week, so um, for I did in Fashion Week. So I decided not to go in 2019 and I also boycotted London Fashion Week. And that's when I started my movement, including the curve, because from from that, really, I was like, why am I going to these things if I'm not um, valued or seen? And the same was at Fashion Week. I was attending all these Fashion Week shows and I was only being offered an earring, whereas my peers were getting offered the jackets, the shoes, you know, the dresses. And I'm sitting on the front row knowing that I would get pressed for this brand. But they didn't have. There was no plus size models walking, and I was. I was like, "Why am I doing this?" Like, you go from a place of feeling grateful to be included. Plus size, plus size people in particular are always seen as less than. So when you get invited to something like this, like a fashion show, you're like, oh, this is great. Oh, I'm allowed to be here. No, 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 no. Of course, you're allowed to be there. And it was just a mind switch. That, like, I just went, "Hang on a minute. What am I doing for my industry by being here? Nothing." I, I saw it as, oh, I should be really grateful that I got the invite. And then I thought, no, why should I feel grateful? No one else that's a smaller size feels grateful for be here. They know that they can be here. So I boycotted London Fashion Week and I was like, I'm only going to shows that have plus size models and where I can shop the clothes. So that's what I've done for the last two fashion weeks with um, including the curve. And it's, it started, it's really good. It's, it's, it's worked really well. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. And, you know, I think what happens at the top of the industry, as we know, it always trickles down. But then, you know, the high street have always, for purely commercial reasons, been a lot cuter about this, haven't they? So SmartWorks clients, you know, they have to walk into a room and be themselves, make an impression, uh, but also kind of, you know, prove to the person that's interviewing them that they're pulled together, that they're smart, that they can, that they're up, that they're good for this job, which of course they are. So how would you, how would you advise somebody to dress for an interview? I mean, it depends really what the interview is for. Like if you have to be a bit more formal or if you don't, but essentially I think this goes with not just an interview, but I just think in life, like you need to be base level comfortable so don't ever wear anything that you do not feel comfortable in, like maybe a shape or a silhouette that it's not you, because you're going to go into that room. You're going to go into that space, to that party, to that event, everything, feeling probably body, like not very body confident. You're going to feel like you don't feel good. And I always say that 
build up on something that you feel so if you think that you know you feel more comfortable in trousers you feel more comfortable in a dress or whatever start with the base and then if you want to then uh, accessorize with color or print add the things on top but base level go for something that you feel is comfortable to your shape and to who you are and you're going to go in with less anxiety about what you're wearing and you're going to be able to deliver your character and your personality and why you've got the skills for this job. Love that. That's great advice. Thank you, Felicity. And and then do you have any tips you can share about what you do when you feel unconfident, when you feel like you have to perform or get up in front of someone and, and, and it's not how you're feeling inside? What do you do? So... I've written a chapter about this in my book and I, and I speak about when you are feeling low and what tips that that I do personally. Now, it's the thing is, I can't tell you what makes you happy because you only know the things around you. So my thing would be get a diary, get a bit of paper, whatever. Write down the 10 things that bring you joy. Now, they don't you don't have to really overthink it. I want just 10 fire things that bring you joy. So for me, that would be uh, scent. Like, like I love, like with my diffuser, um, I love going out for a walk with my dog. Um, I love cooking. Um, like, it's not just certain things, but maybe sounds or smells or music. So, you know, what's your favorite song? Write that down. What's your favorite thing you eat? What's your favorite scent? What's your favorite this? Write these things down. And then from that, have a think about so for example you know my favorite song is rod stewart young turks okay it's one of my favorite songs i'm a huge rod stewart fan if you don't know already because i talk about it way too much um now let's say you've got a favorite song that you know instantly gives you that like endorphin hit of just of happiness make it your mobile phone alert tone or make it your morning alarm right? There's like certain things that I'm like, that could help you. And it's never a big thing. It's always the small things. So like, if you have a scent of home, that maybe you burn a candle or you, you know, maybe geranium is your scent. Get an essential oil and take it with you and put it on your on, on your wrists or have it on a hanky that you can smell. Like, it's the small things that bring you joy that can be the biggest things that can help you when you're anxious. It's not just, um, you know, people say, think of everyone naked when you're when you're addressing people. Like, I don't want to think of everyone naked, if I'm honest. That's actually, to me, is very distracting. You know, it is. It might be have something with you. Like, I, I'm really into crystals, so I always have a crystal with me that, that um, whether people believe it or not, if they believe it's a placebo or not, it's it's having something with you that that brings you joy. So, I would suggest writing down ten things that bring you happiness, and just have a think of how you can put them into your life, or how you can bring with them, you know, bring them with you to an interview or to a meeting or anything. You know, we, we all have different different ways of self care. You know, to some people it's like, oh, you know, run a bubble bath. I don't have a bath. I only have a walk-in shower. Some people don't have access to these things. You know, it's 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 all relative to you. So write down the 10 things that bring you joy and spiral off that, how you can bring those elements into your daily life when you need them. 
Okay, so I'm picturing myself walking into the interview now. I'm listening to Young Turks. I've got a pair of ace flat shoes on, a bit of colour, a bit of print. I walk into the room. I am killing that interview. <laughs> I've got a crystal in my bra. <laughs> it, it's, all rel- it's all relative to you. So, like, write the things that bring you joy in and, and, and that, that will help you. Oh, that is such beautiful. Felicity thank you so much also really practical and really easy to do so I'm going to remember that um oh my gosh it's been such a pleasure and a privilege to talk to you today you are an amazing lady and you do phenomenal things and I can see the goodness shining out of you so more power to you lady and 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 may everything unfold for you as well and and thank you so much for joining us on this Smartworks podcast you're so sweet thank you for having me You've been listening to Fashion as a Force for Good, a podcast by Smartworks. If you'd like to find out more about Smartworks and the wonderful work they do, or make a donation, or volunteer, or book a coaching or styling appointment, visit smartworks.org.uk or follow at Smartworks Charity on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss a thing. Join us next time when we'll be sitting down with another stylish face to chat through their style journey. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.